This week on Business Mike, the business of literature. My guests today are Kuda Kwashe Kamopira and Barbara Njau. They are the co-founders of Bahati Books, an e-publishing company that aims to bring global readers captivating and well-written African literature by African authors. In today's show, we discuss the role of Bahati Books in helping African authors publish their books. We also discuss a few business tips like why it's important to have an alternative source of income as you build your business, and we discuss which African books deserve to be turned into movies. All this and more next on Business Mike. You're listening to the Business Mike podcast. Amazing interviews with inspiring entrepreneurs. For more amazing interviews, go to www.businessmike.com or download our podcast every Monday from Pod Africa. Hello and welcome to another episode of Business Mike. My name is Daudi Mugabe and joining me today is Barbara and Kuda Kwashe. Um ladies, welcome to the show. Can you just let the listeners know a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh my name is Barbara and my name is Kuda Kwashe. And we run Bahati Books. So Bahati Books is a digital publishing company which focuses exclusively on publishing African literature um and more specifically it's young adult fiction. Right. And um what were you doing before you started Bahati Books and what was it that made you start this business in the first place? Okay, so before I started Bahati Books, um I actually worked um within the legal field. I basically worked within residential and commercial conveyancing and I this I did this for about um 4 years. Um and Barbara joined to say what you were doing. Yeah, so I used to work as a journalist um for a similar period uh before we started uh Bahati Books. Yeah. And so literally the reason why we actually started Bahati Books was really it stemmed out of uh, frustration. So I actually got into African literature when I was sort of like in my early 20s. I've always been a very avid reader, so ever since I was a child I was always reading some sort of book. Uh I remember I used to read a lot of Enid Blyton and then I sort of like moved into reading books like by authors like Danielle Steele, uh John Grisham, but essentially it was only when I was it was just after university and I literally stumbled upon a book by Titi Dangarembwa, it's called Nervous Conditions and I'm originally from Zimbabwe and it was the first time that I'd actually read any book written by an author of Zimbabwean origin to start with but secondly it was the first time I'd actually read a book where I could actually connect with the characters that were in the book because most of the books that I essentially read growing up I could never really identify myself with any of the experiences of the um of the characters and what you tend to find is I think for a lot of people when you haven't really read anything where you're able to sort of like find yourself in the book you tend to almost like start imagining things and living in a world where you think that's the world that's actually out there but in actual fact you share none of the experiences of um the 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 characters and so it was from this that I I was really excited and I started downloading more and more books and um buying more books as well but what I found was that the more books I downloaded you know i for me it was a case of i almost like hit a wall when it came to the authors so if it wasn't sort of like the best selling authors like chimamanda ngozi adichie 
Wole Soyinka or Chinua Chebe, I, I literally couldn't find any other authors beyond this. And for me, I I found it quite frustrating. So in terms of finding out about other authors that are out there, I would literally have to be asking other friends like Barbara herself, um, who I knew were into African literature so that I could find out other titles that were out there because I struggled to get any titles really from any new authors other than those um, of bestsellers, really. Yeah, so um, I encountered quite a similar experience and hence why we thought instead of, you know, having um, this difficulty and all of these kind of your book recommendations relying on your network, um, we decided to kind of create Bahati Books as this portal or rather marketplace where people who are looking for different types of African literature can find that content. Right. And I'll share with you a challenge that I, I had um, recently. I've been planning on writing a children's book. So I, I wanted it to be African based. So when I went online, you know, try and find similar children's books that were done by Africans, I, I really mm-hmm. struggled. I couldn't find anything. And the closest thing that I could get was, you know, because of the keyword children in Africa, I would get stories or books on, on war and NGOs and stuff like that. And it's not really what mm. I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. And that's constantly the challenge that I suppose most readers face. And so that's part of our our focus. So changing that and widening what it means to um, be to, to have African books and African fiction, because it doesn't, you know, even people when they look for adult fiction, if they put African literature and stories, there's still similar search results like War, Blood Diamonds and so on. Most of the titles as well, beyond, you know, beyond sort of like even finding the, the stories on War and Blood Diamonds, I think another frustrating thing is, which you've already mentioned, is that the books that are written are not necessarily even written by Africans themselves. Yeah. So you find that even the books that you do find that are there about Africa, they're usually written by foreign people. And so it makes you then start to sort of like question, you know, the the authenticity, I suppose, of the voice that is within the book itself, because you sort of like think, OK, are you are you talking from your experience of actually being there or are you talking about things that you simply found out from your travels when you went there, you know, for a few months and then you've sort of like come back with what you think Africa is about and what you think the stories of the people are about. What books are you currently reading? And also, are there any that stand out in terms of a narrative that we aren't normally familiar with, a book that takes a different spin on the African story? Well, I suppose if it's books that we're currently reading, um, we will do like a shameless plug. So currently we are editing and completing um, our first anthology for Black History Month, which touches on different aspects of Black identity and African identity, uh, definitely worth reading. And it's actually going to be free for download via our website. Um, the other book which I'd highly recommend is one called Narobi Echoes by a gentleman from Kenya called Stanley Gazemba. Uh, I don't know if Kudo, you have anything else to add to that. Yeah, so at the moment, as Barbara's mentioned, I think one of the things that you find um, 
I don't know if other publishers experience this, is um, the way it sort of like works between us is that sometimes Barbara sort of like deals with um, different authors to the authors that I sort of like um, speak to. So you find that maybe a book is released, but you don't necessarily always get the opportunity immediately to actually read it once it's actually finished and gone through the editing process. So at the moment, I'm actually going through another one of our books as well. It's called Side Babies. And it was written by Zainab Omaki. She is originally from Nigeria. And um, she basically writes about stories about contemporary African women that are based in Nigeria and sort of like their different experiences with love um, and just uh, various things that sort of like take place in their lives, marriage, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. But there are other books, of course, that we do read beyond sort of like the ones that are written by our authors. Right. Now, one of the challenges very many people have when starting a business is coming up with a name for their company. So Bahati Books, what does Bahati mean and why the elephant on your logo? Okay, so Bahati actually uh, means lucky in Swahili. We literally came up with this book um, sort of like based on what we've already mentioned, you know, it was more so to do with the whole thing about finding titles. So each time you would speak to someone who essentially either knows about a different book or knows about a different author, for instance, it was almost like Chinese whispers for us. So every time you'd find out about a new book or a new author, you felt sort of like lucky um, for both myself and Barbara. So we thought, you know what, actually, because of that, we will actually call, you know, Bahati Books, Bahati Books. Right. That's an interesting story. And uh, as a business itself, how does Bahati Books uh, make money? What do the revenue streams look like? Okay, so in terms of how it makes money, it's quite a straightforward um, model. So it's a B2C model, meaning business to customer. Um, We make money based on the number of ebooks we sell. Um, slightly complicated by the fact that we sell it through a third-party platform. Um, so Amazon, Kobo, and so on. We don't sell it directly from our website, um, but it's pretty straightforward. So people purchase the book, and then uh, based on the sales, we um, you know make the profit. Right. And uh, what, what does the process look like if, say, I'm an author, I've got a book that I want to release, and I want to partner with you, what steps do I take to make sure my book gets to Bahati Books? Yeah, so in terms of our steps, really, it's quite straightforward because I think what makes one of the things that makes Bahati Books quite unique and different from other publishers is that when you want to approach other publishers, generally you would need an agent to be able to even get access to them. But for us, we actually like authors to come directly to us so if you for instance had a book that you wanted to be published via Bahati Books all you need to do really is just to send it to us um, directly and you know you either speak to either myself or Barbara so what we always try and do is to establish that relationship with people from the very get-go because we believe in building a relationship with our authors and you know ensuring that the process itself is quite smooth so once we essentially get a manuscript, we go through it and we'll either tell you, you know, if it's generally we want it to be quite well edited and very well written and quite strong, um, because obviously it's important to have content that people are actually going to enjoy and people want to actually buy your book, essentially. And so once we sort of like read the book, we'll either tell you, you know, if it's a great book, we'll tell you, you know what, we love your manuscript 
and essentially send out the contract to them and we can just start talking from there and once once the negotiations are sort of like done with the contracts then some contracts are signed and literally that's it right okay that sounds very straightforward actually and and well this is a question that i will struggle with um very many entrepreneurs have this challenge um perhaps they have a full time job or maybe they don't and then they start a business but one thing many people fail to factor in is that as you're starting your business and building it um it may not necessarily make money right away so th- there'll be a period mm-hmm. there where you have to basically go through the grind without necessarily seeing any profit so from your experience how did you go through that um can i say that rough patch or how are you finding alternative revenue sources to you know push you through this 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 rough patch and if you have found any solution what can you advise people that are maybe planning to get into a business but they know for sure that it might not necessarily bring the return immediately in terms of um going through the rough patch how we dealt with it um was that we started bahati books when we were still in full-time jobs and we stayed in those full-time jobs for about 6 months and so um throughout and that obviously was the really early startup time and so um firstly definitely um it is worth having income where you can then pump it into the business um but inevitably once your business is kind of starting to look after itself it becomes a bit more challenging if you have a full-time job and you're trying to juggle it with growing a business so um we reached that kind of stage at the start of this year where we thought okay our business is starting to get legs and starting to you know show a lot of promise so it then became difficult to take advantage of all the different opportunities when friday monday to friday you're fully um uh, occupied in a job which requires you to physically be there yet you're missing meetings which are related to your business so um as of the start of this year we um went full time and um i would also recommend if you are considering kind of going full time definitely um having a savings nest whereby you you know in addition to funding your business you also um have some money set aside to look after your daily expenses when you do decide to eventually leave um and obviously that looks different for everybody and there's some people who grow very successful enterprises when they're still in their full time jobs it's just in our case um we felt the need to go full time on bahati books but definitely um going through the rough patch i would always recommend usually most people tend to have full time jobs um because that helps pay the bills and also you know it ke- keeps the business cash rich um but also having and building a savings nest for yourself um for the day perhaps when you do decide to go out on your own yeah and what i would also recommend as well is even sometimes for a lot of people um what i would probably advise is when you sort of like go out and you are doing something maybe full time and you know you start to feel like maybe you are going maybe through a rough patch because the truth is eventually savings do run out for anyone and what i would suggest is that if you use your talents and use your skills essentially so if you're a person let's just say for instance who's good at doing hair you know i would suggest that maybe you know once or twice a week or something along those lines try and get people to actually do their hair so that you sort of like keep that income for yourself because it's important to also show that other side of entrepreneurship which i think a lot of people don't necessarily talk about to sort of like say look even if sometimes you know like i said that your savings either run out 
or things are a little bit rough and you maybe need to do something extra to actually make that extra bit of money before your business actually starts working um, for itself sort of thing. It's important as well to, you know, use your skills. If you're a person who, you know, is good at writing, maybe you can consider freelancing for a particular, you know, magazine, for instance, and maybe getting a little bit of money from that. So trying to get as much money as possible in, in the best way possible for you, but obviously not forgetting that the most important thing throughout the process is you establishing yourself within your business and establishing your business to work for itself. Right. Now, both of you have actually seen either side of the coin. And by that, I mean, you've, you've been employed full time and you've owned your own business. Mm-hmm. So can you just share with us what opportunity, for instance, Bahati Books has presented you that you probably wouldn't have gotten had you remained in full time employment? That's a good question. Um, So in terms of the opportunities that Bahati Books has given us, um, speaking from our perspective as Barbara, uh, definitely the skill set that you need to develop at running a startup is completely different to, well, not entirely different, but largely different to running a business that's already functioning. Uh, So in my previous role as a journalist, I worked for a company that had been around for 100 years. They already have the momentum, the customer base, they have you know, the networks and so on. So really all you become is a cog in the in the wider kind of machine, right? You just, you come in and then just do what you're told to do because that just keeps the machine going. But with a startup, you constantly need to create momentum. And so for me, it's given me a massive skill set in terms of just starting something and creating momentum every single day and, you know, building something essentially from nothing. So and that's what entrepreneurship is, just the, the value and the skill set to build something from nothing and then hopefully one day selling it for quite a lot of money. Um, so from my perspective, I think the one thing which I would have never gotten from a job is that ability to just, um, you know, build and to build really from the ground up rather than, you know, um, be a housekeeper in a machine that's functioning perfectly. Yeah. And for myself, I think there's there's so much that I could possibly actually say, uh, but just to name a few things. So I think one of the things that I, I learned personally is the power in networking. And I remember when I was um, still working on my on my full time job, networking was never something that I used to think about. It was it never occurred to me what could possibly come out from simply either going to events where there's like-minded people or going to places essentially where you wouldn't normally go to anyway but it's opened up so many doors in terms of what it's where where Bahati's you know momentum as Barbara's mentioned because a lot of the things that we've managed to do it's really through the power of networking um, and also then learning actually how to speak to people you know, building relations with people is something that I, I, I myself had have really had to learn to do sort of thing going forward. And another thing as well, which Barbara sort of like touched upon is, you know, having discipline as a person, because I think a lot of times, you know, you can learn maybe a few skills about the business, but I think there's a lot of personal skills as well and personal things that you learn even about yourself as a person you know, so learning to know what your strengths and your weaknesses are and learning on how you can be able to play on both. So even if you've got a strength, 
sometimes your strength can actually work against you in certain moments. And so it's about knowing how to maybe harness that yourself and also being able to sort of like, you know, your weakness, you start to realize and see your weaknesses and being able to either work on them to become better at it or seeing how you can still work your way to not even necessarily make it better, but certain things, maybe you can't necessarily change them immediately, but seeing on how you can still utilize that weakness in order for you to move forward. Right. And from my perspective, one of the things that I've personally picked up is um, how to basically have some self-discipline because you know when you have your own business you have all the time in the world and nobody can tell you when to start and when to finish so that ability to make use of the time you have and put it to the most is something that you learn and, and develop as you go along. No, de- definitely I agree with you 100% because I think for a lot of entrepreneurs like you're saying you think that now that you know you've got this business it's you can just wake up at whatever time. But in actual fact, if you want it to actually work, you probably have to wake up actually three, four, five hours, you know, before normal people that go on their nine to five. Because as Barbara's mentioned, the difference with, you know, working a nine to five is that you're going to work for this bigger machine, which you're just contributing, you know, maybe 20% of your energy because maybe there's other people as well that are contributing. But when it comes to your own business, it's a hundred percent. There isn't any, there isn't any room to sort of like say, Oh, I'll do this later or, Oh, I'll wait for you're not, there's no one else that's going to do it. Everything is waiting for you to be able to step in and do it because if you don't do it, no one's going to do it. And also um, the reward isn't guaranteed because you see, if you have a job, well, your salary will come in regardless. But if it's your own enterprise, you must make it work to reap from it, basically. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I suppose that's one when you sort of like start to think of, you know, people that have that we admire that have made it really. You start to sort of like realize that, of course, people we we only see the results of it at the end of the day, but those people certainly had to really work hard in order for them to reap the results, you know, for them to be where they are today. And it definitely came from that discipline that like you're, you're saying, and, you know, just making sure you're giving it a hundred percent and working to essentially get that money. Here's a question I have for you. It's uh, when, when those people you mentioned, the people we look up to, they seem to have a, a hunger that, you know, that they, they can never satisfy because no matter how popular or how much success they garner, they just seem to be able to go at it with the same aggressiveness. So how do you as Bahati Books maintain that can I say desire to keep going? Because sometimes we have some low days where we, we just not feeling it. You wonder, really, is this worth it, all this hustle? But how do you motivate yourself to keep going and chasing the prize? Um, in terms of motivation, I think it's always important to just have a larger reason. Um, and so for, for me in particular, I just think the, the one thing that keeps on cropping up into my mind is that there's always this negative image of the continent that I come from. and there's not enough people who purposefully want to change that. So that yesterday I went to watch this excellent film called Doctor Strange. But I remember when they were talking, um, they said, oh, there's, you know, we have portals to every single part of the world, um, London for Europe, uh, Hong Kong for Asia, um, New York for the Americas. 
And then they carried on. And I was like, wait, but hold on, is Africa not part of the world? So where's that gateway? And it's just, for me, that's always part of the bigger why. So hopefully in our own way with Bahati Books, we're changing that and we're changing this kind of very narrow-minded view that's still held in, you know, dominant media about, you know, inverted commas, Africa, um, and just kind of diversifying that. And, you know, so for me, it's constantly kind of remembering, okay, why are you doing this? Always remember, you know, the bigger picture. It's bigger than just me alone. It's kind of changing those perceptions as well. Yeah. And I suppose another motivation would be, our authors you know because essentially one of one of the main reasons which is the why as Barbara said it's about giving an opportunity to voices that are not usually heard and when you read some of these manuscripts you sit there and you think this is absolutely amazing you know how is it possible that this person hasn't you know been published why why hasn't this person been talked about you know and that then pushes you to sort of like say you know what this this has to be out this person deserves to be heard this story deserves to be heard and that then in itself then becomes your motivation you know to ensure that you do as best as you can to make sure that the people that you are representing that have entrusted you with their work you're able to give it a hundred percent of what it really truly deserves because like we said um one of our our key message um tagline is that you know our your story matters you know and that's what's important to us to say each story that we put out it's because it matters it needs to be heard it has to be heard and it needs to be shared with the world bahati books only does digital copies why is that uh a few reasons so at first it was because of just the sheer cost of publishing so physical copies um the publishing the reason why only few publishers tend to be in that physical hard print space is because publishing hard copies can be quite expensive and in addition the distribution costs and the cost of stocking them in you know big retailers and so on that adds and the cost of shipping if you want to then ship out to you know other parts and other territories in the world so at first it was kind of pragmatic we thought you know what we want to start kind of this online platform where people can publish and you know let's just do it in a in a really accessible way but then the more we did it the more we actually realized that the digital space is actually there's so much innovation happening at the moment and it's still pretty kind of early on in the curve um but at the moment there's so much happening in the digital space beyond just you know kindles and um tablets and so on there's innovations at the moment where people are developing technology and software where you know people can interactively change stories as they go along and it's just the more we've been engaged in the e side of trade and commerce and you know reading the more we've realized that this industry is one that's having a massive explosion in innovation and actually for us it's now become much more strategic as a space to get involved in yeah um i mean i suppose another reason um barbara's mostly touched upon it but you know one of the things as well which you you realize is that when you look at how consumer behavior is actually happening at the moment it's changed a lot so when you think about the internet you know it's becoming quite pervasive in terms of like in all areas of people's lives so when you think about mobile 
you know, mobile phones or tablets or any any sort of like reading environments, a lot of them are already playing uh, an important role in how people experience reading. And more importantly, in terms of like how people actually discover and sort of like purchase and consume content. Because when you when you look at the way people nowadays even read newspapers, people hardly ever sort of like go for the hard copy. You know, first thing you wake up in the morning, you usually look at your mobile phone, don't you, and say, I wonder what the news is saying. You know, you don't look to say, oh, yeah, I need to get, you know, X amount so that I can pass through the shop to buy a newspaper. So reading behaviors essentially are changing and most people are now reading online. And so, as Barbara's mentioned, it's also about placing yourself in a strategic way because that's where things are going, essentially. It may not necessarily be at a rapid rate, but things are slowly, you know, changing in some, in some sort of like sectors, for instance, you know, newspapers and magazines, it's, it's, it's more rapid, it's more or less taken over and most people read online. Um, but in terms of reading as well for literature, more and more people are finding that, you know, when they're on their train or on their way to work or anything, it's usually trying to read either a story online or something along those lines as opposed to sort of like buying a book. And the advantage of also having to have mobile tablets or anything along those lines, it's that you're able to have a hundred books on one device, which you don't normally, you can't necessarily carry a hundred books in your bag, but you have that ability to either change. If you're not interested in this book, you can immediately change and get another book, you know, and it's that ability to be able to just have a lot of things, but in just one light device. Right. Now, you ladies have obviously read so many African books. So if you were to see one of those African books on the big screen, basically turned into a movie, what African book would you like to see? Oh, <laughs> I think for me, it has to be, um, I'd love to see The Spider King's Daughter by Chibundu Onuzo. What's it about? Um, so the Spider King's daughter, essentially, it's about it's about a love. It's a love story, essentially, between um, a boy and a girl, but they live in two different worlds. Um, so the girl, in actual fact, comes from a very wealthy, rich family, and she essentially falls in love with this hawker um, on the street. And so it sort of like talks about how their relationship develops but it's in sort of like the voice of the of the young man and the voice of the girl but it's it's the way it's written as I was reading it I remember thinking this would be amazing because you know when you're reading books and you can picture because generally when I'm reading books in actual fact I usually play it as a movie and for me that book it just worked perfectly for a movie so definitely it's one of the many books that I would love to see on the screen. Uh, I've, I just remembered one book which I actually really enjoyed, um, just by chance actually. So it's uh, God, I think I'm getting the author's name wrong. I think she's called Abiola Awanubi, uh, but her book is called I Do Not Come to You by Chance, and I actually really enjoyed it because it's a book that kind of makes the and the villain almost a hero. So essentially, what she, what the um, storyline is is it's about this Nigerian guy who's unable to find employment. So he has all these, you know, um, qualifications and degrees and so on, but he can't find employ um, employment. But then one of his uncles, who's doing really well, tells him, "Okay, if you need some help, um, 
this is not necessarily legal, but I can help you kind of, you know, all you need to do is just send a bunch of fake emails um, saying that you're this guy who's lost all these millions and whoever responds to your email can obviously build a relationship with them, you know, the 419 thing. And we all have obviously this idea of 419 criminals, you know, we think, oh, they're these, you know, um, unruly people who sit behind a computer screen in Nigeria and they just want to steal your money. But actually the guy who's the protagonist in this book who then obviously gets sucked into that world and it talks about all the circumstances that lead him to get, get sucked into this world. Obviously, he's grown up in a um, country which even if he tries to get the right degrees, he tries to do all the good things, the, the corruption in the system is so much against him that he has no choice but to get into this trade. And you kind of, he becomes the anti-hero because you kind of want to root for him. And so I remember reading it and kind of being really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And so I think it would be it'd be quite interesting to kind of see that anti-hero type of film. You know, I think, I don't know, I just feel sometimes when it comes to film and portraying African characters, it's currently really saturated with either slave stories or um, right now, I know Queen of Katwe came out and I do like Lupita, but I think she plays a lot of subservient roles. And it's kind of about this really, you know, poor kid in Uganda who plays chess and whatever. But there's, it'd be interesting to see kind of, slightly more complex narratives turned into films, you know, something like that. Well, that's interesting. And uh, the final question is, if you were cast away to a desert island and you could only take one of each, what book would you take with you? What movie would you take with you? And what song would you take with you? Oh, you can take that first, Kira. <laughs> I knew you were going to throw that one here. <laughs> right. So, okay. So what book would I take with me? I'm going to go with, there's a book called Africa 39, which was written by, um, it was basically put together. So it's a collection of short stories, uh, which was put together by Hay Festival. I would essentially take that simply because it's a collection of short stories and there's 39 stories. So I wouldn't get bored (laughs) with literally reading one storyline. I would have a mixture of all sorts of stories from different parts of the continent, which is really great. And what was the other one? The movie which I'll take. Okay, I would probably go with. Okay, is it is it one or two? Can I go with one movie or two? <laughs> you can do two, no problem. I can do two. Okay, I'm gonna go with one of my all time favorites. And please do not judge me on this. <laughs> I'll take King Kong. But oh. King Kong, which, which one? The, 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 there's like different versions. There's of different King versions. Kong. It's the last version that was made, I believe, around 2001, 2002. Yes, that's that is the movie that I would take simply because, like I said, I I am a massive fan of um, King Kong. Always have been for some reason um, since I was I was young, um, and I love the the last one. I think they did that one much better than the older ones. I think the older ones. They look a little bit ridiculous when you look at King Kong. (laughs) But (laughs) I'll definitely take that one. A song that I would have to take, I am going to go for a classic one that, okay, a classic boy group, which I absolutely love. I'm going to go for Boys to Men. Yeah, Boys to Men. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say exactly the same for song. Actually, I was gonna yeah, say any song, Boys to Men song, I'd be any Boys. <laughs> exactly, I have to go with something whereby every single. I don't think there's a Boys to Men song that they released which I ever thought I don't like this. Every single song, so it has to be a Boys to Men song. Um, Barbara, what about yourself? Um, the book and movie. Okay, so obviously, song it will be any Boys to Men song. 
book, uh, one of my favorite books ever um, is The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. So I'd take that one. I, I think I've read it, I think, three times or four times. So that's just one of those books that I can read every single time and learn something new. Um, film, I really like the film style of early 90s kind of New Jack slash hip hop era. And my favorite yeah. film to come out of that era is called New Jack City. Uh, the It starred Wesley Snipes in it. And I just love that film. I think I've watched it like three times. So I'll take that film. Right. Well, lastly, how can people get in touch with you and Bahati Books on, on your website, social media or email? Uh, info at bahatibooks.com. That's our email address. Um, definitely they can feel free to drop us a line. If it's submissions, um, please check on our website. We have sub- submission guidelines, but as Kuda Question mentioned earlier, um, you don't need to get an agent, but do please try and follow some of our guidelines on our website. And also we're on social media. So on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, just type in Bahati Books and please follow us and also give us a shout out um, if you listen to this podcast. Okay, and the other social media network we're actually on is YouTube. Um, So just to add, so we've literally just recently started um, what we've called Stories in Motion. So talking about, you know, what you said mentioned about, you know, bringing books to life. Uh, One of the things that we are doing is sort of like talking about our authors and actually bringing our authors to life and bringing them face to face with their audience because I think a lot of times what readers tend to find is that when it comes to books you always want to know who the person is behind the book so one of the things that we're doing is we've just started sort of like a short video series there's sort of like short sound bites that we do and so we essentially have a YouTube channel and it's also called Bahati Books. So they can essentially have a look at that. And also if they go on a social media as well, there are a few videos that we've already done so they can check those out. Right. Well, that's very good. And thank you so much for joining us today on Business Mike. We certainly wish you the very best in all your endeavors with uh, Bahati Books. Thank, thank you. you so much, Daudi. Thanks for listening to the Business Mike podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to listen to more episodes just like this one, simply go to businessmike.com. I would love to hear from you. So if you've got any questions or feedback, you can reach me on Twitter at Daudi Mugabe, on Facebook at Business Mike, or email. That's Daudi at businessmike.com. Don't forget, we have a brand new episode every Monday. And until then, take care.